0: Good morning, Planet Earth. Good morning, Planet Earth. It's about 3:30 a.m. here in Utah. It's Sunday. It's September the 18th, 2022, in the time, and the age, and the era, and the epi- epic of Bo You've arrived at the future. You're in the great discontinuity. Is it exciting yet? Yes, indeed. It's 3.30 a.m., September the 18th, 2022, here in beautiful Utah. But if you're listening on WRMI for as long as I can afford to, it's Friday night. It's 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time until we turn the clock back right and that day's coming soon, baby. Yes, if you're listening on the radio, you can get to the notes for this broadcast podcast by going to planetarystatusreport.com slash WRMI. And I got a little cotton mouth this morning, so I'm going to drink a bit more coffee. And I left the window open, so if you hear any crickets or you hear any dogs, or you hear any cops coming for me, pick up the phone and call, baby. This might be the last chance for you and I to hook up, so call. I'm sorry about what I said to you last night, baby, when I left you alone in the bed to go get a pack of cigarettes. I know you were there engudgulating yourself. You stroked your buvula. You wriggled your tinctus. And you achieved satisfaction. And I got my pack of cigarettes. And everything's okay, right baby? (laughs) So, the, 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 the first topic isn't actually in the notes. Um, It's kind of related to a documentary I just watched. I watched this documentary off of Netflix and full disclosure. I will turn on Netflix and pay for a month, once in a while, for a particular show. But in general, Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and pretty much every streaming service is about 70% uh, propaganda at this point. And so, I might watch a particular show, and I may pay for a month, but I'm not really a big fan of Netflix. I just wanted to say that. They do have some interesting documentary series, and, you know, a few shows that aren't too terrible. But beyond that, I just, it's a lot of drek. It's a lot of preachy, um, you know, political, social justice warrior drek. And it's obvious drek. So it's not really for the purpose of helping anyone, but just for division. Anywho, I was watching this documentary series called Bad Vegan. You know the vegans? They don't like eating meat. They don't like, you know, the fact that they have eyes that have really good stereoscopic vision, the ability to track. I wonder why that is vegan. Do you really need a brain and eyes like ours to track carrots? Why don't you ask the killer whale? Ask the octopus, cousin to the clam, will you be a vegan? And the answer's no. (laughs) I'm not opposed to vegans, but If you're a vegan out there, just don't preach. I know enough about human biology and enough about the quote unquote evolutionary history of humans to say that the 100% vegan diet is crazy. It's as crazy as when they told us back in the 70s and 80s that you need to eat mostly carbohydrates, lower your fat, no bacon, go ahead and get that cereal box. And a lot of people ended up with diabetes, Now, the vegans will say they didn't eat the whole nuts. They didn't eat these nuts. And these are the nuts. Yeah, I ended up watching this um, documentary, Bad Vegan, and it's about this woman named Sarma. I I won't even butcher her last name. She's Latvian or something. And she was quite famous um, about 10 or more years ago for being a big, big, you know, sort of thing in the world of vegan restaurants. And she had this pure food and wine restaurant that ostensibly had all sorts of interesting celebrities. And she had a crush on Alec Baldwin you know, huzzah, huzzah. And she ended up meeting this dude. And this dude is pretty creepy. I mean, he's definitely like that that Billy character from Fire. You know, the guy that did the Fire Festival? The same type of dude, just slightly different flavor. I mean, oh. Imagine that Billy, I think Billy McFarlane, the Fire Festival guy. Imagine if he was a Scientologist, in addition to being the grifter he was, then I think you would have this Anthony guy, this Shane guy, this Will. He, he was 50%, you know, grifter. And 50% Scientologist, which really means about 80% Scientologist. Um. And he told her things like, If, you know, if you do as you're told and you obey me because I'm like the CIA operator, I'm an ex-Navy SEAL. If you do what I'm told, if you do what you're told, you know, Sarma, I'll, I'll make it so your dog Leon lives forever. And I thought about that. If somebody told me if my dog lived forever and I believed it, what does that say about me? It doesn't mean you're dumb. I mean, this is the thing about intelligent people. And I've met a couple is that they can believe nutty things just like everybody else. They just get to the bad conclusion faster. And that's the thing to understand. Like, you know, if I have a Commodore 64 and then I have a Cray supercomputer or whatever the fastest computer is today, and I give the, the Cray, the bubble sort, to sort with, that's a polynomial time algorithm, and then I do the quick sort with the Commodore, got lots of cassette tapes, this is a hypothetical, um, eventually the Commodore 64, if the numbers get big enough, will beat uh, the Cray. It's a math problem, and it's about complexity. And so it doesn't matter that the supercomputer is a supercomputer. It simply gets to the wrong answer in the wrong way. Faster, I guess. But ultimately, with a bad algorithm, it just doesn't work. And I think when it comes to smart people, they're just like everybody else. They can adopt a set of beliefs, a paradigm, and they can deeply believe in it, and that's why it can be painful to let it go. One terrible idea smart people believe is because they're smart, ergo they they can only be successful. And, and some of this has been spread by crap like that bell curve that bell curve book and some Jordan Peterson BS. But the bottom line is. Um, Just because you're smart, that doesn't imply you're going to be rich. It doesn't imply you're going to be famous. It doesn't imply anything. It's like saying you have the physical prowess to play in the NBA, which I do not. But if you believe the COVID was a pandemic, I do. Yeah, that's a math problem too. Yes, if you believe the COVID was a pandemic based on the math, then I am a professional... NBA basketball player but I am not but let's say I had the physical prowess if I don't put any effort if I don't put any interest into it if I spend my whole life wanting to do something else it doesn't really matter that I have all the prowess to play in the NBA and make 20 million bucks I might end up just I don't know working as just some dude you know in an office and making 50 grand A year instead of 20 million bucks a year or whatever or whatever amount you can make so I think another thing that quote unquote smart people get trapped by is this belief that they can't be fooled they can't fail that the orbit they're in is such an orbit above everybody else that the only people they're ever gonna meet are going to be vetted by reality and that's just not true that's not true Just because you live in a nice city or a nice neighborhood does not imply that evil and darkness and other forces won't get into your life. You can have all the money in the world, all the gold in the world, and it's actually not counterintuitive. If you think about it, you will have as many dark forces surrounding you, maybe even more. You know, money is power. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not a communist, but I'll tell you, you can do a lot with a billion bucks, or a million bucks even. Money is power, and power attracts some really skeevy people. So this dude named Anthony, um, he ends up really gaslighting Sarma, and he does it in part using technology. You know, 25 years ago, when I was more of a humanities geek, I remember telling people, you know, Just don't believe that the internet is what you think it is. Just because it might be helpful right now, and just because it may improve a few things right now, don't assume it's going to be a net positive. And people used to laugh at me. They mocked me. They said, what do you mean? It'll free people. Well, then I said, yeah, but it'll also make it easier for the government to watch you. And that part, they didn't like. They didn't like the honesty. They didn't like the truth. They didn't want to know the history of the, you know, the CPU inside the computer or the internet it's connected to, both of which have deep connections to, to the deep state. Going back to the Cold War, whether it was Minuteman, one missile program and the microchip, or whether it was DARPANET. the bottom line is these things came from the deep state. They were massaged by the deep state, and they knew exactly what was going to happen next. I told people that the internet would be used to manipulate people, and it's like, oh, no, no, it'll be honest and true and just and loving, like the printing press? I mean, you know, most of, it's funny, most of the books in pre-revolutionary France in the 18th century that were being published were pornography. In fact, after they invented the printing press and did the Gutenberg Bible, they did old, old Gumbus's sexual Bible. That That's reality, that's closer to the truth. And governments would publish pamphlets using printing presses. You know, oh, according to this pamphlet, it says that people of a certain color are bad. Well, why would anybody waste the printing ink to say that? Ergo, it must be true. Yeah, it must be true, because the government put it on paper and printed it and made books that they put put inside the schools. And if, if the books say it, it must be true, right? Yeah. Sarma gave all of her password account information to this grifter. Anthony slash Shane slash, you know, whoever he is. Michael Caledonia slash will slash whatever she gave all of that information that gave him access to her email accounts her banking accounts and then likely what he did next is he changed the passwords so she didn't control them I mean it's possible I don't know you know it seems like she has a sticky connection to technology which means she's like a lot of people I know her iPhone is her iPhone and she's never going to do anything to change it or reformatted or delete anything. So it's possible that she had a sticky account that still worked. Um, I don't know. It's also possible that he managed that. It, I, I truly can't tell you. All I can tell you is, is that she gave him that information. She, maybe he didn't change it. Maybe she didn't feel technologically inclined to control her life. But once he had that information, he could be all kinds of people. He could send her all kinds of emails. He could know what she was doing and seem like a god, you know. Um, Technology, like email, like text messages, like social media, um, including YouTube, by the way, are 100% fantastic tools for grifters and con artists. In fact, you could call this the golden age of grifting because these technologies allow people to grift at a very large scale. Whether it's a phishing email, you know, it's phishing for your password and username. I get those a bunch of times. I don't care. I think they're funny. I, I never give them my information. So that's how you avoid that problem. Or it's crap you get on YouTube. You'll, you'll see videos for things and say, well, how could it be on YouTube? They ban people. They, they, they censor people, so if it's on YouTube, it must be real. I've been banned. I've been censored. I have given up on YouTube. And, and yet, I know there are grifters out there on YouTube who never get banned, never get censored, never get into trouble. And the simple reason is, they're not breaking the rules. YouTube is perfectly okay with a grifter taking advantage of old ladies. What YouTube doesn't want you to do is question the pandemic or ask questions about the Ukraine crap or talk about liberty, you know? So YouTube's okay with grifters. I learned that too in 2016 when I used to be a libertarian. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, these are fantastic tools for grifters. And this is where we're at with the technology. So when people say to me things like this is a net positive, I at least have that background in some history to tell you that no technology ever in the history of technologies has ever been a net positive. I don't care if it's damming water or cell phones. Well, what do you mean damming water isn't positive? Storing water for the future. Well, the Romans also used it to like, well, essentially they used it like dynamite like when you're asking yourself how did the romans do their big engineering projects when they didn't have dynamite well they had physics that they understood and they had water and they could dam it up and release it and believe it or not a massive dam of water can do a lot of work for you if you need to do stuff in the mountains and whatnot um, or if you're mining this is how they did it um so, so there is no such thing as a technology or a technique that is a net positive. Humans can use almost anything as a weapon. Probably the answer is everything as a weapon. And it's not that we should. It's not that we should be violent. But humans are violent. You know, if you're asking yourself, are you predator or prey? And, and this is funny because I, I can't imagine an orca whale even though it may have consciousness and may even be more intelligent than a human being, I can't imagine an orca whale looking at a seal and saying, should I really eat it? I can't imagine that. I can't imagine an orca whale looking at a school of salmon you know, and saying, should I pluck a few away? They're going to do what they got to do. They know what they need to do. It is inherent to who they are. Okay, I'm a predator, you're a predator if you're a human being. You may want to eat nuts and herbs, vegetables, and you may think it's healthier. I'm telling you it's not. I don't care where you're growing your food, unless you're doing it in a laboratory and you're managing everything that goes in, which means lab-grown food, uh, you know, hydroponics, unless you're doing it that way, none of it's clean at this point. It's all polluted. You know, I, I, it, you know, it's funny, this pure food and wine, I wondered to myself when I was watching this, what if this guy was really CIA? What if, what if his purpose was to destroy this woman? Because if, I, I'm not a fan of raw food, by the way, but if raw food became really popular, people would start asking questions. Why am I getting sicker? I'm eating all this good raw food. You know, people might ask questions. That's the thing about the situation we're describing. And it's why, even though this topic isn't in the notes, and maybe I should add it after this podcast is done, it's why I'm spending so much time on it. I mean, I'm 20 minutes in and we're still talking about this documentary. Um, But here's why. In 2016, uh, I was grifted. And as I've told you folks, when it comes to, like, con artists and military psychological warfare and propaganda and all these tools that the government will use, and I think they use con artists, believe me, or rather, I should say, the skills of the con artist and the skills of the spook are the same fucking skills. If you're a really good spy or manipulator or you work in counterintelligence, chances are you con people too. Hey, you won the lottery. You won the lottery, buddy. Come on down. the woods next to the old farm yeah people in government use the tools of the grifter all the time it is a common thing to do and they'll come up with excuses as to why they did it there was an article about a year ago that explored the fact that the british government was deliberately scaring people way beyond the scope of the COVID pandemic. And their reasoning was, well, we have to do it. We have to scare people. If we don't scare people, they won't put on the coffee filter. But then it begs the question, if there's nothing to be scared about, why are you putting on that fucking coffee filter? Uh, yeah, that's a, a, an interesting question. No, but you know, it's funny. Whether they're Republicans or Democrats, I, I usually don't get a good answer when I, when I come at that topic. Um, in 2016, I met a grifter. I met this grifter online. I met this grifter because after my divorce, I was broken up, sad, everything you are. She was my first love. I hope she's okay today, but I haven't spoken to her, to her in almost 10 years. And after my divorce, um, I was in bad shape. She was my first girlfriend. I mean, it's kind of pathetic. I was 30 when I met her, but she was. So when all that fell apart, it was bad. And listen, it was, it was also bad. Not just because she dumped me, but because I understand—I understood why she did. I don't know that it would have turned out any different. I really don't. It's possible, and I've said this before, that in this particular case, maybe we shouldn't have gotten married. But in my mid-30s, I felt like I was on autopilot. Like, oh, you got to get married. If you don't get married, you've been dating for a few years. You have to have a baby. If you don't have a baby, you have people telling you what they think normal is. You better buy a house. And it's like, well, wait a minute brothers and sisters, maybe I should do things I'm ready for. Anyways, after my divorce, I was in pretty bad shape psychologically. Financially and professionally, the year 2015 was a really good year for me in a lot of ways. Um, And early 2016 to some extent. But in terms of my existential life, it was a disaster. Um, you know, I can, I can tell you, I was still, uh, I was still a person that believed in God because that was a recent thing and it was still in me, but I was really quite dark about the world. And, and I, I, you know, it's funny. I told people things like in 2015 and 16, that in about five years, things will start falling apart. And I, I was right. I wasn't the only one that was right, but I was right. And I don't, you know, we'll talk about this in a bit, but I think that, you know, probably you guys should all of us should take for granted whatever's going on right now. There's there's a lot of linear behavior still in the system, so it feels good, but that could change. Needless to say. I met this dude. I don't want to say his name. He had a dating website. It was awake dating dot, you know, awake.dating. And I ended up going on the dating site, and I ended up interacting with some people there. But what it turned out was, really, I was interacting with him. And I was interacting with his wife. And I was in a pretty bad place, and they started talking to me about other things, and one thing led to another. And there was this incident where they had some reporter talk to me, you know, one of these internet websites, you know, do you have an opinion on awake dating? And I told them, listen, I think that the term woke is overused, but it seems interesting. And that was my honest opinion about it. So far, so good, I guess. I haven't really found anybody there yet, but whatever. But what this dude in Ireland wanted me to say was, it was the most amazing dating site ever. And I found this busty woman near, you know, near Indianapolis. And we made love in Brown County. And we got married. And that would have been a lie. But this is what he wanted me to tell this reporter. And listen, this is another of those moments where I realized how crooked, really crooked journalism was. Because the real story about this character in Ireland was not about AwakeDating.com. It was about him. Like if this journalist had any freaking curiosity at all, this journalist would have dug into that dude, okay? Because I've already talked about him. He had stashes of cash in the walls of his place. He would talk about how he had two buttholes. He would talk about a lot of stuff that was really just cult activity, like he wanted to get the whole world to hum at the same time. He had an organization called the Human Unity Movement, and if everybody hummed at the same time, everything would be fine. He volunteered that he thought he was a sociopath. All of that happened when I was in Ireland. All of that happened for the brief five days I was there. It, it was just a lot of stuff that was just too much to process. And I think they might have dosed me with, with meth when I was there. I, I can't prove it, but I think they might have. There's no way to ever prove it. Meth, unlike marijuana, clears out of your system relatively quickly one of those important facts about the war on drugs the drugs that are really bad the drugs that are really horrible they're harder to detect after a few days marijuana you can detect it weeks later there is your war on drugs 101 yeah this dude told me a lot of stuff he said he wanted to bring back or or he wanted to bring back gladiatorial contests but they would be nearly lethal. That's how he described it. Like it would be like having the UFC but, you know, re- removing pretty much any rules that would really keep it from being lethal and then giving them weapons. But the weapons would be more like, you know, wooden <laughs> wooden staffs and wooden swords. And it's like, well, listen, if you swing a wooden sword hard enough, you can definitely knock somebody's block off and you know, we didn't dig too deep into that. For five days, I was there thinking I was going to be the CTO of a new social media company. Um, And what I came to realize is the guy was a grifter. Now, truly, um, I'm not entirely sure exactly what he grifted me out of. It could have been just the fact that he owed some rent money And so the money I ended up paying to rent that cottage, the cottage I'd rented for three months that I got five days out of that was just down the hill from the dude I call the Goat King, because that's my name for this dude. The dude who thought he had two buttholes, who said he was a sociopath, is the Goat King. Um, I did a kind of musical whimsical podcast about him in 2017 because frankly I was still kind of processing the fact that that event, believe it or not, as brief as it was, had a huge impact on me. I mean, I had thousands in savings before I went. I was in debt when I got back. But what was worse than just the money and all the time, all the time I put in, like they had a, a couple bugs in their awake dot their awake.dating. And, and while I was still in Indianapolis, you know, waiting to go over there to Ireland to be a CTO, they needed me to fix some of these bugs. And I went ahead and did it. I mean, I did a lot of free work for them. Um, never got paid for it. And beyond that, the experience there was very creepy, you know. And when you're 500 euros from Dublin, because I'm not going to tell you distances, I don't want to say too much specifically about this dude because that's... We we live in a world where somebody like that has a million followers on YouTube. And someone like me, you're just never going to hear about. So I really don't want to say too much about this piece of shit. But the bottom line is, it was a place that it would take 500 euros in 2016 to get to. And 500 euros to get back from. If you add up all the money that went into going there paying for rent that I never got the rent money back for. And why didn't I get the rent money? Because the last day I was there, the dude creeped me out so much, so creepy. I didn't even tell him I was leaving. I couldn't. I could not even talk to that guy again. I didn't want to. I had no interest in doing it. He had revealed himself to me as a cult leader. And I have no interest in cult leaders, you know? I think his assumption was that I had really low self-esteem, ergo, I could be easily manipulated. So I could end up being his meth friend in Ireland, doing whatever creepy scheme he was going to do next. And if I ended up dying or having a heart attack, whatever. There's plenty of broken-hearted middle-aged men in the Pez dispenser. But what did I say about PSYOPs and propaganda and all that for the last couple of years? I said the following, and, and I stick to it. It takes two to tango. You have to want to believe the bullshit. You know, and, and that's why I think this Sarma character is interesting. I don't know if she's legit. She might be a faker. There are lots of fakers out there. But if she is legit, what happened to her can happen to a lot of people. And the, and the big thing that causes it is the paradigm, the desire, the desire to want to believe the nonsense is being spouted, you know, the desire to want to buy into it. Um, she mentions, or they mention in the documentary, I think the reporter mentions, that the vegan world and New Age, New Age religion, they got some connections going on. So that you already have a lot of people in that world who potentially, you know, they're, they're eccentric. I'm not going to be mean. They're just eccentric, you know. So what happens when an eccentric person comes along, but they turn out to be a predator? And this is that Anthony Shane Will guy. The guy that Sarma fell in love with and married. The guy that told her he could have her dog live live forever. And this is what happened to me. I, I needed to believe that at 46... I could have my brass ring. I could be the CTO of a new social media startup company, and I could move to, to Belize or something, and I could have a, a beautiful yacht and a beautiful set of hooker wives and cocaine and all of it. That, that my life wasn't over. That I may have thought I was a burned-out software engineer working a dead-end job in Indianapolis. No, I would be the CTO. I had a desire That was seeking fulfillment. And grifters and con artists work on the basis of that. If you need or want something, that's how they operate. And I don't care if they're the low-rent grifters like this dude in Ireland or the politicians who are also, guess what, grifters. They're going to figure out what you want and they're going to talk to it. You go off that narrative and they're going to shut up. They don't know how to answer those questions. But... If it's about something you want, oh, we'll, we'll get two times that amount. You'll get a subsidy. You know, it'll be vegan and pure. And I know this first topic has been all over the place, but I'm kind of glad it is because I kind of need to talk through this a bit. You know, I, I, I guess I just do. Um, this may end up being a really long podcast because of that. I don't know. Don't know. When I got back from Ireland in June of 2016, six years ago, a little more than six years ago, I, f- I-, I felt like nothing. I felt lower than nothing. I would say it was one of the deepest depressions of my life and about the only thing that kept me from going down the toilet bowl you know, was the marijuana, uh, to be honest, not any special antidepressants, nothing else. Pretty much the weed kept me from just going off the ledge you know I lived on the eighth floor I still had my apartment rented when I got back it had been ran it had been ransacked why because I also trusted the wrong person to watch my stuff when I was gone I was gone five days and when I got back it basically looked like my place had been robbed which technically it had been robbed by somebody I worked with also probably a meth head And I spent several weeks that summer because I still worked with this person because my old boss, who maybe was wise enough to understand that this might not all work out, he gave me my job back. And so I went back to work and I spent several weeks fixing years of code debt and going crazier and crazier and ruminating over how I was ripped off, and then not understanding that somebody I worked with was still ripping me off. 2016 was the year I got grifted by almost everybody, and people were attempting to grift me that never succeeded. 2016 was a bad year for me, financially. And here's another thing about 2016, and about grifters attacking your expectations and your desires. I told myself at the beginning of 2016, I actually, I got an email from my cousin. I think it was New Year's Eve, 2015, like the day before the new year, 2016. I got an email from my cousin who teaches, who was teaching philosophy. He also passed this year. He died. He didn't die of the COVID. He died of something else. I, I, it's not my business to know. But, um, yeah. I got an email, it was a very maudlin kind of email, so I, I guess he was drinking, and he wanted to talk to me, and I thought, you know what, I'll fly down to Atlanta and meet with him, because, you know, I hadn't seen him in years, and he's a cool dude, and he was going through a lot, you know. He was a father, a professor, a tenured professor, and he was dealing with a parent who was going through dementia. And that's a lot. And and another thing, too, he's an only child, so he was caring a lot. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to go say hi. So I go down there, I meet with him, we talk politics and other crazy things until both of us get angry, because we're not really in the same political orbit. We weren't. And then I go back home, and then I say to myself on the flight home, I say, Dan, you know what? This year, 2016, you should be more optimistic. In 2015, I'd, I'd written an essay. Um, uh, I think it was called Odds of Survival or something, like the Odds of Survival. And it was based upon a lunchtime conversation I was having with friends, um, including the, the work meth head. I think we, he was there too. But bottom line is I was there with a couple of the dudes that work there, maybe not the meth head. And... Um, I think the meth head's uncle, though. And I was there having lunch, and we were talking about the future. And the one thing I would say about all three of us, I think, that were at this Turkish restaurant, is we all tended to agree things were going to fall apart. And I said, well, you know, let's just go through this logically. And, And I call these the napkin estimates. And I basically have an essay. I don't know if I'll link it, but if you go to one of the archives PDFs and search for odds of survival, you'll probably find it. And in 2015, I just roughly estimated that, yeah, in about five years, this is what's going to start happening. And here are the likely scenarios and the best case scenarios. And the best case scenario that had any likelihood is what started in 2020, which is the government using its own tools to manage collapse, which it's been doing. You know, I don't care if it's food processing or China shutting down a city again. None of it makes any sense at all, unless you understand that they're covering up failure. And then it makes a lot of sense. COVID makes more sense. All of it makes more sense. The only scary thought that ever enters my head is, is that as bad as it is? Because if it's just that, that's bad enough. Um, do I think it could be worse? I do worry sometimes that they're covering up something darker. But we, you know what the good news is? We'll probably find out soon, I think, you know. So in 2015, I roughly estimated that in 2019 or 2020, things would start going sideways. And I also listed scenarios, um, including the possibility that to manage this, they would trigger World War III. And who knows? That could be on the menu. I guess we're going to find out, right? But at the beginning of 2016, I looked in the mirror one morning, and I said, Dan, you should be more optimistic. And let me tell you what that did. Even though you may think it was good to say that, to be more positive, to be more optimistic, it set me up. It was like taking a bucket of blood down to the tip of South Africa, the tip of the African continent, where there's tons of great white sharks, pouring that bucket of blood into the water and going for a swim. Every single shark that would hear me discuss this on Twitter or on Facebook or on any other thing, they would see this. They would see, oh, Dan wants to be optimistic. Dan wants to believe that all this wretched nonsense might keep going. Okay? Maybe, right? And you add into that loneliness, you add into that a lot of existential sort of what, why am I here stuff, you put in all that to a middle-aged dude who feels burnt out, and then he meets the goat King and i was ready i was ready and prepared for that prepared to be told that i was so smart that i would be so successful that when i got to ireland there would be all these beautiful irish women who'd want to meet me and have babies with me they'd ha- want to have my bubba babies yeah To be grifted, to be lied to, to be taken advantage of, you do participate. I'm not saying it's right to lie to people or that you're not in a in part a victim. I, I think this woman, the Sarma woman, was also a victim. But she also allowed herself to be victimized. And that's also true. And I think that with respect to the goat king, I was a victim. But I also allowed myself to be victimized and... I deluded myself to such an extent that a lot of red flags should have gone off, like the dude told me when before I left that there was something he wanted to tell me, but he could only tell me in Ireland, and then he told me, and I probably could have found this out if I did any research at all, which I didn't because i was I just wanted to believe I wanted to believe, I wanted to believe my luck was turning around He told me when I got there that he'd almost killed a friend of his. Like, I don't know if he actually killed the friend or almost when he was in Japan. He also told me something else. He said the way he met his wife, the way they fell in love, was doing meth. And again, you think about this. If you just hired somebody for a job, because in a way that's what he was doing too. He, He had hired me. If any of this was true, why would you tell that person? I mean, listen, folks, on my podcast, I get really cringy, But if you think for one second I tell you every dark thought in my head, no. Especially when it comes to the government. The things I would do, the things I've planned, don't worry. Don't worry. But the point is, I won't talk about it. Why would you? That's dumb. And when it comes to, like, you know, other things, the gross aspects of human existence in the world... No, I don't talk about that because, bottom line, you probably have had similar experiences. Why do you need it from me? He met his wife doing meth. If I had known that before I left, I wouldn't have gone. There, there were a few things, if I had known, that would have broken me out of that, I'm going to be a CTO trance. But that's the trance I was in. I was going to be successful, but that was never going to happen. Not that I couldn't be successful, but that situation was never going to lead to success. Best case scenario, it would have looked a lot like what the Sarma woman went through, except without the preview show where I'm famous already. I would just, it would just be the story of some burnout dude who ended up helping some grifter take advantage of some, you know, probably stupid government program and get millions and millions of Irish monies to do whatever cocaine and meth we'd do on vacation in France. And, and obviously the hookers aren't cheap. Obviously the hookers aren't cheap, right? Um... Yeah. I got grifted, but I allowed myself to be grifted. It, it impacted my life that I can truly say six years from the time it happened, it still impacts me. I, I, it's hard to believe a person can have PTSD from something like that. But when you connect the goat king to the dude from work... And understand, when I got back from Ireland, there was just another grifter waiting. It, w- it was basically like the year, and, and there were a few other things that happened that year. It was the year that, you know, Dan said he was going to be positive, and every motherfucker who could take advantage of that did. It was the last year I believed in the voting. The last year I, I participated in any parties political parties. I used to be a libertarian. I gotta say 2016 was a giant, brutal wake-up call in my life. Um, It was one of those transitional moments where I threw away just about every childish notion I had left. It's great to be whimsical. It's great to imagine. But don't imagine that your imagination is real. Because it's not. It's in your fucking head and that little version of reality that you think that fantasy that might come true it can work against you it can conspire against you it can impact your life in really negative ways 2016 was the last year i let my whimsical crap that we all have those imaginations those positives those let's let's you know be optimistic let's succeed type crap you know i threw that all away if you want to say i gave up Maybe not. I, I, don't, I didn't give up and I didn't give in. I simply cha- I, I changed course. Okay? I recognized that no amount of voting was going to change anything. Whatever the government was doing, it was going to do. And the voting was mostly like, best case scenario, the World Wrestling Federation. You know. And even if it did work, you were voting for people and things you would never understand. So ultimately, it just didn't work. It was a lot of show, a lot of grifting... And not a lot of practical impact on my life. So I gave up on the libertarians because that was the last stop. The last stop on the road. The libertarians who just want a tiny little government named Ned who walks around the city at night looking for rapists and murders. Which again, you know, that's the libertarian fantasy. Ned stays small. 2016 was a bad year. So bad that I thought about harming myself. I don't want to go too deep into that because a lot of people out there are on shaky ground. And it's not that you shouldn't talk about it. You should. But you shouldn't talk about it in terms where you're not explicitly saying, I'm glad I didn't. But 2016 and and the following year, 2017, which was pretty much almost equally bad, um, I came close, you know. In late 2017, I had a choice between going to Home Depot and buying some cinder blocks and chain and going to the White River and just drowning myself, or going back to Seattle. It was a choice between drowning myself, you know, that's not good, or going back to Seattle, right? And and Seattle really wasn't a good place either. And it and it ended up being its own kind of hell. And once the COVID hit, and once I understood how close we were to the to the things changing and changing in pretty strange and scary ways, once that started happening, people became worse. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you're listening on WRMI, the notes for this broadcast podcast can be found by going to planetarystatusreport.com/wrmi. And there is a donation link in the notes. So if you want to donate, you can, Dr. Freckles at PayPal. But anywho, you go to the link, you click the link, you can donate. You don't have to. Anywho, to continue. I was at the point in late 2017 where, where the choice was drown myself or go to Seattle. And I ended up going to Seattle and Seattle became its own hell. And during the COVID, it got worse and people became even more terrible and communist and subservient and you know in 2021 uh, a person that listened to my podcast um, drove up there picked me up and took me down to Utah and all of it is kind of strange in a way in one sense being here in Utah saved my life and it did and this friend who is my friend and I would say at this point a pretty good friend um He did. He saved my life by picking me up. I I wasn't going anywhere good in that pod. And I lived in a pod in Little Saigon in Seattle. I wasn't going anywhere good. I mean, where I was ending up next um, was probably dead. And I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but if that wasn't the case, it's how it felt. And it felt like that was the trajectory. Being here has been good. It's allowed me the space and the time to distance myself. I don't really live in a situation where people judge me for being who I am. And who I am is probably an eccentric, crazy person to a lot of people, uh, especially people I used to know. Um, But that is who I am. And here I don't feel judged all the time. And here I don't feel like I have to compete with people to prove how successful or wealthy or special I am. This isn't the city, you know. It's not a, a FEMA camp pending like most cities. This place still feels like a town and it still feels like there are people who are alive and they're not slaves. Is it perfect? No. Are there crazy people wearing coffee filters here? Yeah, they still do that. But the good news about living someplace, you know, where there's a low population also is that there's just less. Of the stuff you'd get in the city and that might just be a question of math and statistics but still it's better so it's been great here it's allowed me the space to even think about things like the goat king um that's good that's something positive that's a reason to be thankful and i mean thankful to the lord i'm a christian so i'll tell you i thank the lord for the time i've had here um and, and and I will say that when it comes to the Goat King experience, it's gotten better. Anywho, next topic. Really, for this particular hour, the last topic, although I may make this a very long podcast. So anywho, next topic. And it's really not a long topic. I included a link to a video. Um, if you don't know, I listen to Dane Wigginton. He has a video podcast on YouTube. Um... And he has a website, geoengineeringwatch.org. And I don't know if he's real or not. I mean, the one thing you should get out of that nearly hour-long exploration into the documentary Bad Vegan and my own grifter experience is that the internet is a dangerous place to try to verify people. It's too easy to fake. It's too easy to fake videos. It's too easy to fake podcasts and blogs and that. It's just too easy. People think it's hard and it's not. Um, In part because these smart devices haven't really made you smarter. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. But these smart devices have made you gullible. So when it comes to what happens to people in terms of being grifted, the internet, as I just sort of beat into you guys the last 40 minutes or so, the internet is great for grifters. I do not believe in my heart. I'm going to drink a little coffee here. I do not believe in my heart that Dane Wigington is a grifter. I don't. I think he's real. I think he cares. Um, I could be wrong because I was kind of in a situation with the Goat King where I needed to believe the guy was legit. Oh, he's eccentric, but he's legit. So I could be wrong about Dane, but I think he's legit and he has a video um really just another video you know video um podcast you know vlog whatever he has some recorded audio from his radio he does a radio program of a, somebody calling in who's a scientist who's been studying the content of, of rain water and snow and confirming a lot of things that dane says they are spraying something and it looks like a lot of aluminum and graphene and other things that you just don't need. They're not healthy. They're not good for you. Um, they can harm you. And, and it looks like it's being sprayed. You, come to your, you should come to your own conclusion on this. The last thing I want to do after talking about grifters for almost an hour is to have you think I'm a grifter. Not. Not a grifter. Not trying to scare you. Um, I do not believe what I am being told about what's going on with the weather right now. I don't. I'm not saying I know the truth. I just don't believe what the official sources are telling us. I think that there's something else going on. And as far as the contrail thing goes... You know, if it was as big a thing as they make it out to be, it seems like in Air Defense School, which I attended, we would have covered it to a much bigger extent as a thing. Were contrails understood back when I was in air defense school? Contrails have been kind of understood for a long time, but they're based upon a- atmospheric conditions that I think are relatively rare. The The stuff we're seeing now and the way it behaves, it's not contrails. I don't know what it is. It seems like the sky can be clear one moment and they spray, and then 20 minutes later, you've got this grayish, undifferentiated mass over your head, and when I was a kid, clouds would roll in. In fact, there are songs about clouds rolling in. I, I've never heard a song about clouds dropping from the sky. You know, like something being dumped. So I think Dane Wigington. I double check the time right here. Anyways, I think Dane Wigington you know, is a legit guy. I think he's a real guy. I think that if you want to watch this video, you can. I also believe that there are just too many things to be upset about right now and scared of. And, and the problem is, is that I want to talk to all of you about what I believe is going on, but I cannot be convinced to go back to January. Forget 2019. I was prepared for this in 2019. I can't go back to January 2016 and pretend to be optimistic. I'm not. You know, folks, it isn't just one thing that's facing us. And you could argue it's a form of debt, but it's not monetary. In fact, the worst forms of debt are not monetary. They are engineering debt. They are design debt. They are cultural debt. The kind of debt you just, how do you fix it? How do you fix 100 years of fiat currency and what it's done to this country? I promise you, turning off the Federal Reserve isn't going to fix it overnight. You know? So so how do you do that? And the answer is you don't get to do it overnight. It takes probably as long, and perhaps longer, to fix all the damage that's been done. And then there's all the stuff the government does that they'll never tell you about. That even after the federal government collapses, there'll be Easter eggs out there. A radioactive dump here, a chemical weapons dump there a bio lab that has real bioweapons someplace else. And they'll just leave this stuff out there, buried someplace. And why? Because they don't give a fuck. Why would they? They're grifters. I mean, in some ways, many ways, I've described government in lots of ways. Like I've said, government is a complexity engine. Yes. Um, government is a combination of imagination and fear, but with no wisdom. That's true. Um, Government is a grifter. It is the ultimate grift. It, you know, going up to people and saying, if you pay me some money, we'll put out your fire. And that's fine if it's voluntary. But if they come up to your door with a gun and say, give me your money and maybe we'll put out the fire, that that's different. That's way different. And that's pretty much where we're at. In fact, I think we're way beyond that. Because a hundred years ago, we reached a point where it wasn't just give me your money, but tell me where you got it from. So it's not just that they're stealing your money. They steal your privacy. They steal your right to be who you are and to be respected. They steal your sovereignty. That's what they do. They are grifters. But, and I'd I'd tell somebody like Sarma this ever if I met a person like that, and I'd try to tell myself, but you let it happen. I let it happen. I allowed myself to be grifted. If you get grifted, especially right now, the stuff going on right now, if you get grifted, I'm not going to tell you, oh, I feel so sorry for you. The people I left behind in Seattle, they saw the same undifferentiated skies I did. They experienced the same bizarreness of not being able to breathe in the summer of 2018. They saw everything I saw, and they pretended because their smartphone told them to pretend that everything's fine. And if there was some scary story, it's a hundred years away, a hundred years from now, scary shit's gonna happen. What did Dr. Freckles say? If the government tells you something's gonna happen in a hundred years, you only know that one of two things is true. Either A, it's never gonna fucking happen, or B, it's already happening. Sorry, that th- th- those are your fucking options with the government in a hundred years. In a hundred years, this will be happening. No, Mr. Government, Mr. Press Secretary, what you're really saying is, is either it's not going to happen or it's already happening. And we just want to manage you. We want to gaslight you. And brothers and sisters out there, especially if you're voters, you want to be gaslit. So Dane Wigington, I don't know if he's real or not for sure. I think he is, and, and as far as what's going on in the sky, I don't know for certain what it is. I just it does not look like anything I would call normal. It, it looks strange, and and therefore I think it is worthy of investigation. But beyond that, folks, just keep looking at your your smart device. Next topic. So here's an article from. The Daily Mail, and it was published on September the 16th. Um, and it was written by Paul Farrell for DailyMail.com. Headline Carnival Bruised Shocking Video Shows Man Brutally Pummel Woman During Mass Brawl on Carnival Cruise Ship as Security Rushes to Break Up Fire. All hell broke loose poolside on board a Carnival cruise ship earlier this month. A shocking shocking new video has emerged showing two groups involved in a verbal altercation by the tides bar beside the swimming pool on board the Carnival Sunrise ship. The verbal dispute that involved some pushing and shoving eventually turns extremely violent. The violence culminates with one man pummeling a woman while she's on the ground, on the ground, and he leans over her. The fight goes on for at least a minute before members of the cruise line security team begins to intervene and and separates the groups as the shouting continues. According to the woman originally posted the video on TikTok, Laura Bryant, who coincidentally works as a 9-11 dispatcher, the fight was over a seat and personal space. Wow. That is amazing. A seat and personal space. Holy shit. At one point, Bryant can be heard commenting that a woman lost her wig in the melee. Bryant said that the brawl took place on Friday, September 9th. It's not clear where exactly the ship was when the fight broke out. Maybe the Tropic of Anger. Records show that the Carnival Sunrise made stops in Ocho Rio, Jamaica, Grand Cayman Island, and Miami, Florida, around the time that the beating took place. One person who witnessed the incident commented on the post saying, all I know is I was filling my cup up with lemonade, then boom, they were knuckin' and buckin', and you just had to be there, buddy. Another witness said they left the scene just before the fight. Prior to leaving that witness said that one of the groups was playing cards and it seemed like everybody vibin' when he left. While another commenter said the cruise lines need to implement harsh punishment for those who get into altercations. These videos are hurting the cruise industry from attract, attracting new cruisers and possibly turning avid cruisers away as well. No, how you guys did the PSYOP with the COVID turned me away, dumbass. Sorry for that editorial, but yeah, yeah that, what you just said is not why. Several other commenters blamed the excessive alcohol served on board, while another referred Carnival as the Spirit Airlines of the Sea. The Sunrise has been part of the Carnival fleet since October 1999. The ship can carry 3,000 passengers in addition to a crew of 1,100. According to the Carnival crew's code of conduct, Disruptive behavior is not tolerated, and any guest whose conduct affects the comfort, enjoyment, safety, or well-being of other guests or crew will be disembarked at their own expense and banned from sailing on Carnival in the future. Wow. That's pretty freaking serious right there. You know, I'm going to stop right there. There's more in the article, but it's just It's just absurd. And you're probably saying, Dan, why did you read that? Well, I read it in part because you could say to yourself on one level that this is a sign of the times. Um, you could. I don't really know. I looked at the video and I said to myself, this looks like something that a redneck in, in Georgia who's a racist would record because it kind of is it's framed in a way it looks racist. It does. And listen, I'm opposed to all the woke social justice warrior crap. I just know when I see something that's framed to make a group of people look like, well, maybe they're more violent or crazy. The reality is you could go to a bar in England someplace after a soccer game and you could see exactly the same thing. And the people doing it would be mostly white instead of, you know, mostly, if not all black. Um, and again, this could be my own lens, like, Dan, no, you're seeing it as racist. No, I know, based on my experience, especially with the Daily Mail, given what it was saying about the prison burning down in 2020, Bo the one across the street that I could see with my own eyes and it didn't burn down. Yeah, I know enough to know that a lot of this news is bullshit. So if something like this gets out, I don't think it's accidental. What I am certain of, is whether it's the race war crap, the gender war crap, the Trump-Biden trauma drama crap, it is all designed to keep people angry and confused and divided and with their eye off the ball, so to speak. You know, All of the stuff that I saw with BLM and Antifa in the summer of 2020 looks scripted and controlled, and its purpose was to make people angry, to divide them. The great thing about divided people, or at least people who can't organize, is it's relatively easy to destroy them. Um, but if the opposite is true, if they all realize they're mostly being screwed by the same people, well, that's kind of dangerous. And it will only get more dangerous. Another comparison to like, the whole BLM-Antifa thing, if I may go off on a tangent, is a controlled burn. A lot of what I saw in 2020 looked like what the Forest Service would do. Do a control burn. Burn off some land. I mean, that's what they would do. And, you know, with the same hubris, the belief that you can control it. Now, I do think they did a relatively good job of controlling it. But ultimately, it's like the last day when the cops were shutting it down in Seattle. They had it all, you know... They had a police line all around Chopia because they did not want people to film what had gone on there. So the way it ended was so abrupt and so obvious that it basically wasn't, well, now it's time to cover it up. Now it's time to pretend that maybe people weren't murdered or killed in Chap chopia. I'm pretty certain some grisly things happened there, okay? And we will never know about it. And I'm 100% certain that the city of Seattle... And the federal government had a big part to play in managing that event because I have it on video. That being said, I don't really fucking care. I am no longer there, all right? As far as what happens on a Carnival ship, if you went through 2020 and your eyes were open and you could understand what was going on, why would you ever go on one of those ships again? They participated in an operation that harmed millions of people, that killed millions of people, that basically drove people to suicide, why would you go on any of their cruise ships? I don't care if it's Carnival. I don't care what cruise ship it is. Why would you go? That's my question. Next topic. Next topic, and let's drink some coffee, right? So I am... talked about this in the last podcast about the job i had and and i no longer have it i'm going to look for another one it was an okay job i can't say i was super excited about the industry it was in but it was an okay job the people were pretty cool and um, it could have worked out it's just that about a month ago i had some things happen health-wise and then psychologically with depression that just made it impossible like for you know after a couple weeks of not being able to get much done I just couldn't do that. And, and that's why I ranted about quiet quitting. I, I can't do that. I know a lot of people that can and who work for government, but I can't. I can't just go to a job and get paid and do nothing because I think it's wrong. Period. Um. But one of the things that's been happening this summer, and it's been really great, are these frequent power outages. They, they don't last much longer than an hour, but they've been happening once or twice a week almost once or twice a week for the last few months. A few days ago at around 4 a.m., we had a cycle of this, like a cycle of every few minutes, power going out and then coming back on again. Now you'd say, well, Dan, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Let me tell you something. I don't care what the box says. I don't care what the manual says. Believe me, I don't care what the manual says because I've proven manuals wrong before. I don't care what the company says. If you own a computer... Even with a surge protector, even, you know, even, yeah, even with a surge protector. I'm going to talk about a UPS next, but if you own a com- computer and you have a surge protector, that's not enough. You know, it's not actually good for your computer to go on and off all the time. It's not actually good, especially if you have your laptop connected to something like a monitor, you know, with a USB connection. Any of these voltage differentials, which, you know, theoretically get managed by the circuitry in the operating system over time will still damage your computer. Well, the computer I got for work, for this last job, way overpowered. I probably should have let you know, let the, my manager know that too but in my final email. Um, way overpowered for the job. It had two power supplies. It was absurd. It had a bunch of flashing lights that, had, that served no purpose. And if you suffered from epilepsy, probably wouldn't have been helpful. Um, it used a lot of electricity, a lot of juice, and It was sensitive, I I think. I I can't prove it, but I think it was sensitive to power loss, to power going on and off. Well, these cycles of power going on and off basically ended up frying the computer. I don't know what component. It could be as simple as the battery was fried. But it was just one of those experiences this summer that was a bit disconcerting because I'd never had that happen before. I've never had a computer that was that powerful and that sensitive to to power loss. And it just happened to be what I jokingly called the family truckster. If If you saw the first Chevy Chase family vacation movie back in, what, 82 or 83... There was this vehicle they bought, this brand new vehicle, the Family Truckster. They wanted the Sports Wagon, but the Sports Wagon wasn't available. So they ended up with a Family Truckster. And it had eight headlights and it looked like it was, you know, basically a truck a truck with a what a station wagon frame on it, sort of. And um it was terrible. And what I would say of this computer that was really expensive and had a lot of RAM and, and everything else is it, it's probably one of the worst computers I've had. So it might not just be the power thing. But here's what I will tell you. Whether or not it was just the power thing with this computer, power loss, intermittent power can damage electronics. And a surge protector is not enough. So I'm going to talk about uninterrupted power supplies. If you expect these types of blackouts to last a while, then it's not as bad because, again, it might just be once a day, the power goes off, and if you have a laptop, you might be okay. I'm talking about repeated um, high-frequency brownouts, surges, off and on. That's really bad. This is why you would get an uninterrupted power supply. You can get them for around 100 bucks plus or minus. I just bought one because I'd like my computers to last as long as they can, An uninterrupted power supply has a battery inside of it, a UPS battery. And so if the power goes out, you will still have power for a period of time. Um, It's not perfect. You know, there is no perfect solution to your electric grid is falling apart. There isn't. Sorry. Next topic. But yeah, I recommend getting a UPS. The long and the short of it is, I recommended to my former boss, you should, with your work from home, package, especially if you're going to get the family truckster laptop, um, you need to get uh, the UPSs for these folks, because if you don't, these computers are going to get damaged. I don't know if he took it seriously. I think a lot of people need to believe, even if if they go through a lot more of these blackouts, people need to believe that it's temporary. You know, they have to believe it. They have to believe that The human race has electricity, ergo, they're always going to have electricity all the time, anytime they need it. That's not a rational assumption, and it's frankly not even a historical assumption. The brief amount of time that most humans have been working with electrification, it's been like the last century. And in terms of population, the last 50 or 60 years. So the argument that people will make, well, it's always been here, Dan. No, it's been here while you've been alive. Believe it or not, there were places in this country 100 years ago that did not have electricity, and the world did not come to an end. Now, if you want to say things like, well, according to the statistician I read, the candles started fires, you know something? Electricity starts fires. Next topic. If you're going to give me the crap about candles and other things and refrigeration, understand this. None of these technologies is a net positive. At all. None of them. All of them can be potentially dangerous and all of them can have side effects that we are not currently aware of. So when you tell me things like, well, we've not always had electricity and electricity is the safest thing. Let me tell you something, buddy. We haven't always had electricity and I could deal with a world where we didn't have it as a guarantee all the time. What I can't deal with is the in-between place where we pretend we have it, but it's basically intermittent and unreliable. So my advice is get a fucking UPS if you own a computer. If you don't have one already, get one. It isn't going to 100% protect you from power loss, but what it will do is be a line of defense. It'll be an additional measure, okay? It isn't going to solve all these problems, and when the power goes out completely and that UPS battery drains completely, you are in a world without your computers and without your smart devices and other things, and you should mentally prepare yourself for that. We should all do that. But anyways, next topic. I really ranted about the Ukraine last week, and I didn't really want to um, spend as much time on that as I did in that last podcast last week. Um, I don't know what to say. I ended up getting sucked into that hole again. So if you're listening on WRMI, although you can't be because we're in the second hour, so you've had to switch over, but... In the notes, there's a bunch of links, and these are links to various topics. One of them is to the F-16 pilot that died recently because his ejection seat was counterfeit. And you could say, well, Dan, how can things happen? Like, how could that possibly happen? Well, I have a link to that. I have a link to the Fat Leonard scandal, and if you're not aware of the Fat Leonard scandal, guess why? The deep state and the US Navy doesn't want you to know about Fat Leonard. I also, um, yeah, I also have a link to the contractor who was verifying the, the, the metal frames of submarines, you know, and, and falsified those tests. He did it for 36 years. So that means that Navy personnel were in incredibly exotic conditions, hundreds of feet below the surface of the ocean. And the person that certified that submarine's metal frame was lying. So I have a link to that too. I have a link to the veterans who were involved in the bikini tests um, and were used as guinea pigs. and. As I've mentioned, based upon the information that my mom's friend gave me from her CIA husband, ostensibly, it's possible that my dad was involved in 46 as a guinea pig. I can't verify it. It's just as likely that I was being gaslit into a limited hangout by this by this woman, you know. Again, she comes up to me at my mom's funeral, the the reception afterwards at Immaculate Conception School in Mount Vernon in 2010, and she's holding folders in her arms like Boomer would hold a block of cheese and tells me a story and then walks away with the folder. So she would look at it and say, you know, I wish I could give this to you. And it's like, in retrospect, I wish she had too. I wish I'd seen that folder in 1996. As I've said, I would never have taken the oath um, to serve. Ever if I'd seen the truth, if it was true that what that that's what happened but anyways there's a link to that there's a link to the article from 2019 about Trump deploying small nukes small nukes uh, yields between 10 and fifteen kilotons, which you know um, randomly circumstantially enough, coincidentally the yields of these nukes that, that he wants to deploy are roughly the same yield as what's called an initiator. And that's basically part of the multi-stage thermonuclear weapon, which is the hydrogen bomb. Now, why is this relevant? Because I don't believe the story. I I didn't believe it a couple years ago when it came out. I I told my listeners this is bullshit. But I didn't know the truth. And here's the scary truth I'm going to throw at you, and I've done this a few times. Our government may not have been able to for the last 20 years replace tritium in our nuclear arsenal. And what that means is, is that every hydrogen bomb we have is now a Hiroshima bomb. What does that mean? It means that our nuclear deterrent is about maybe 1 or 2%, maybe 5% what we say it is. It also means that part of the calculus of Mutual Assured Destruction isn't gonna work at this point. I don't believe that the story about Trump's small nukes. What I believe is that this is a cover story for something that was gonna come out. It was going to come out that whether we liked it or not, we were disarming. We were disarming because we could not replace Tritium. Tritium has a half-life, I think, of 15 years or less. And the bottom line is every 15 or 20 years, you have to take these weapons, you have to take them off the missiles, you have to send them to, like, Texas, to that Pantax facility, and that's where they replace the tritium. Well, maybe they've been going through the motions, but what if, you know, they haven't been able to? And the reason why I mention this is because people will think about rot or incompetence or these scandals in the military, and they, they, what they don't understand is that it's systemic, it's not random. The Fat Leonard thing is not random. The testing metal on submarines is not, you know, being a lie is not random. Okay. The testing, the, excuse me, experimenting on sailors and Marines and airmen and Army soldiers, this is not random. This is a pattern. This is systemic. It's not just Bikini Island. It's not just Fat Leonard. So when I read that Trump article, I said, oh shit. Because if the Chinese, if this is true, if in fact we can't replace the tritium, and if the Chinese and the Russians know this, that's an incentive to launch a first strike. If you add to that, and and this is really all I want to say here because this is just too fucking depressing in a lot of ways. If you have two things that are true, one, in fact, let's talk about three things that are true now. Number one, mutual assured destruction is based on two-person game theory. That has not been the case with the world of nuclear weapons since the 60s. Since the 60s, you've had more than two people playing that game, which means that in all likelihood, there is no optimal solution at this point to MAD when it comes to that kind of brinkmanship. That's number one. Number two, mutual assured destruction is based upon a credible deterrent. Well, if all of our nukes are now now Hiroshima bombs, and you add in all the incompetence that goes beyond the bombs, the the actual missiles themselves and their upkeep, you could be led to believe that the United States is a paper tiger, that they're pretty good at killing poor brown people, but maybe that's about it. Okay, so that's number two, is that the deterrent is not credible. Number one, it isn't two-person game theory at this point. Number two, the deterrent is not credible. But what about number three, having a rational opponent? Having an opponent, and this doesn't mean good, could still be sociopathic, but rational, okay? Rational, Stalin versus Charles Manson, okay? They're both sociopathic pieces of crap, but at least you can make rational assumptions about what Stalin will do or Mao will do. You don't know what the hell Charles Manson's gonna do. The problem with the the third thing is that our president has dementia. Okay, this is obvious, and our president has said some crazy fucking shit, and this is obvious, too. So you've got a crazy fucking president with a questionable nuclear deterrent, and you're no longer in two-person game theory. That basically means to me that if you're hoping mutual assured destruction is going to save you, that's your fantasy. That's also why, you know, you're kind of set up to be taken advantage of, really. Okay? Okay. You know, the only thing left is basically all the leaders are working together, so don't worry about it. Or nuclear weapons aren't real, so don't worry about it. But again, if you think this is all a big coordinated thing, I don't know why you would think that's better. It's just a slight. It's a different kind of destruction. Um, and, And as far as nuclear weapons not being real. Brothers and sisters, I don't really know. I I know that I've never seen one personally be lit off. I've never seen a nuke go off. But that doesn't mean they're not real. It just means that they're very fucking dangerous. And they're very toxic. You know, we tested thousands of these things. And now all those materials from all those tests are in the environment, you know, for all intents and purposes, forever. I mean, not literally forever, but as far as your lifetime is concerned, forever. You know, those metals, those isotopes are going to be there forever. It's a lot like Fukushima. You can believe what you want to believe, but the damage that's being done is beyond your lifetime. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Don't mistake a strong fiat currency for anything other than a turd covered in powdered sugar. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. This is related to all the strong dollar rhetoric going on right now. And I don't know how to put it. This doesn't mean what you think it means. It's true. Versus every other shitty currency right now, the dollar is quite strong. The fact is, a lot of countries around the world that need oil, that need resources, that need food they're gonna do whatever they can to get those things. And if they can't get them with dollars, they're gonna use rubles, um, they're gonna use yuan, they're gonna use other currencies to get those things. The strong dollar right now is making it hard for a lot of people in the world to survive. It's making it hard for them to get by. And it's, and because it's destroying their local currencies, and, it, and that is what's going on, um, a lot of folks at some point are just gonna say, this is, this is over, I can't do this. I I don't think the strong dollar means what people think it means. Yes, currently, the Federal Reserve and the United States are the grifters par excellence. I mean, we are the grifters of the planet. We are stealing as much as we want. We make people use dollars to buy oil. If they don't want to, we periodically fucking blow them up. It's what we did in Libya. We periodically erase them. It's what we're doing in Syria. It's why we're stealing their fucking oil, okay? We can't have people selling oil in anything other than dollars. It's why Iran is such a problem, And will continue to be, as far as the dollar goes. So yeah, right now, at this moment, the dollar is very strong. If you think that that is a guarantee, that because you got two or three uh, free throws at the basketball game, you you got them all in the hoop, that you're going to get the third, you're making an assumption. You're you're making a huge assumption. You're setting yourself up. Next topic. Oh, boy. This one also I don't want to spend a lot of time on. You know, you've ever seen those four-quadrant political spectrum thingies? And I've often wondered about it because I thought they looked absurd, but I never understood completely why. And I think libertarians love them because they confuse people enough they end up staying a libertarian. But in reality, it's just a simple spectrum. You've got people who want to live in the womb. They want to go back to mom. They want to crawl back up their mother's buvula. And, you know, reconnect themselves to the pipe. That's what communism is, okay? Commie, communism is womb thinking. People want the womb, go back to the womb. The ideal outcome for the commie is a human being sitting in a chair with, you know, pipes and tubes going in and out. And all of it connected to some grid of feeding and managing. There's no living there, but it's definitely keeping you alive. It's the womb. That's the extreme. And I'm sorry, that applies to all you commies. Oh, but I'm a Republican. No, dude, you voted for some wretchedly government shit. Shut the fuck up, okay? If you're, if you're one of these dudes who say we need to spend more on defense, shut the fuck up. Really, you're a commie. Shut the fuck up. And then on the other side, way, way, way beyond, is the other side of the extreme, and that's where I'm at. And it's called being an adult, And when you're an adult, you take ownership of your life, right or wrong. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It just means you don't make other people pay for your fucking mistakes. That is all that it means, okay? It does not mean you are perfect. It doesn't mean you don't go broke. It doesn't mean you're rich or poor. It simply means you're not making other people deal with those consequences, aka you're an anarchist. You don't vote because you know that voting is just another way of using force. And also you probably suspect it doesn't work. You don't do any of those, you know, normie voter things. So you don't end up harming other people. You just want to live your own life. Those are the extremes. You don't need the four quadrant because that's there to fucking confuse you. And everybody in between, all you libertarians, all you democrats, all you socialist kind of communist types, all you voters in between... You're just negotiating how many fucking beatings you want. That's all. You're just negotiating how often you want someone to knock on your door randomly and hit you over the head. Maybe it won't be you. Maybe it'll be your neighbor. And that's okay, right? Okay, that's your political spectrum. People who want to crawl back into the coochie. People who want to be adults. Those are the opposing sides of the spectrum. And everybody in between picking how much of this adult world they're willing to take on, or another way of thinking about it, how many beatings they're willing to accept. Period. There's your your political spectrum, fuck you. If you want to make it more complicated, have fun. Next topic. Oh boy, these are kind of related topics in a way. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Your desire to be happy conspires against you. Your desire to be happy. And and that's a good desire. You know, I don't talk about it enough, and I should talk about it more. But joy and happiness, these are good things. These are things that in any time, good times or bad times, you can find. You can figure out a way to be happy. It's not that easy. I suffer from depression, so believe me, fuck you. It is not easy to find joy, especially these days. And and again, I know joy is the name of the stripper, the stripper you take home with your cocaine and your whiskey, but joy is also a feeling, right? You know? Anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but one of the ways grifters and con artists and the government takes advantage of you is your basic desire to be happy. And I get it. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody would prefer their leaders and their and their people at work to tell them everything's going to be okay all the time. It's kind of like that thing... It's like that thing you were told. Um, that thing you were told when you're a kid. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Which is great if you're going to go to Catholic school, but it is terrible advice, really. There are times in life where you have to say there's something wrong. You know, there are. They they happen. And there are times in life where you, you should try to do something to prevent people from harming themselves. So this idea of not saying anything bad, it sounds good in a way, but it's really, really bad advice really bad advice. And it's something that kids get taught. And so they end up, you know, they hear some president, somebody running to be president or a congressperson, and they're telling them everything people want to hear. There's going to be more jobs, more security, more, more beef pie for everybody. More beef pie. I mean, eh, it might not be beef. That conspires against you. It sets you up. I'm not saying you shouldn't pursue happiness. But you should note that pursuit of happiness is deeply connected to having autonomy, which means to be free. So there's that. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Jesus didn't go around knocking on doors and threatening people, or scaring them, except when it came to the money changers in the temple. And I think this is basically true, right? Um, Christ in the New Testament gets quite upset about the money changers. But if you read the gospels, and, and you, you read about you know the canvassing he did, if you wanna call it that, when he was talking about being the son of God and trying to teach people, He didn't go around setting up machine gun nests and, you know, wearing a bunch of grenades and pointing guns at people. He didn't say, you better believe or else. He didn't do that. So the question you have to ask yourself, because a lot of Christians have been doing this in recent years, and I don't think it's a very Christian thing to do. A lot of Christians have been going around threatening people, basically, saying, if you don't believe what I believe, you're going to go to hell. If you don't believe what I believe, you're going down, down the hole. If you don't believe what I believe, the devil is going to destroy you. And some of this might be true. You know, some of it might be true. I I believe that people need to start making some deep you know, choices with respect to their faith. But as far as the discipleship of Christ goes, as far as being someone out there who's a teacher, it doesn't help to threaten people. It doesn't help to scare people. It really doesn't. Cause And also, like I said, I don't think that's how Christ operated. Did he tell people some things that might be a little scary? Did he point out that your soul could be in jeopardy if you make the wrong choice? Absolutely. Okay? He, didn't, he didn't sugarcoat anything. But what I, I, I can say, I think, is Jesus didn't go around threatening people either. If people didn't want to believe, they could walk away. They could, didn't have to listen. He didn't force people to listen. This is critical. Okay, A lot of folks out there think they're doing the Lord's work, and in my opinion, they're doing the work of the devil. Because instead of bringing people closer to Christ, they're trying to scare them closer to Christ. And believe me, fear fear is a motivator. It's not the best one. okay? And fear only works as long as you believe there's a threat. Once you recognize there is no threat, it stops working. Next topic. So... I titled this podcast the Fifth American Hooker Republic, and let's talk about the various hooker republics we've had. You know, and, and a hooker republic is, is a republic in name only. It's a joke. It, it ends up promising things that that end up never happening. The first era of the hooker republic, which might have worked, started in 1775 and went to roughly 17, you know, 87. So it was, you know. When you think about it, it's about 12 years, 12 years. And in those years, we fought against the Brits. This was the period of the Declaration of Independence. This is the period of the Articles of Confederation. If we had stayed in that world, um, American history and world history could have been radically different, and in my opinion, radically better. But no, the first Hooker Republic fell because it was one. They took it over. They had a coup d'etat in 1787. They couldn't have the little people be free completely. And they, they wanted an army, you know, and a bank. Huh, those things are connected. So the Second Hooker Republic was founded with the U.S. Constitution, with the Bill of Rights. Huh, how'd that work out in 2020 and since then? Yeah, the Second Hooker Republic was 1787 to 1861. And, and during the Civil War, there was a third Hooker Republic, the, Confeder- the Confederacy... And the Confederacy lasted about four years, you know, but it was the third Hooker Republic, the third American Hooker Republic, you know, making lots of promises. Yes, the Confederacy was the third Hooker Republic. The fourth was the feds after, you know, reconstruction and everything ending the Civil War. It was 1865 till when? Because I think the fourth American Hooker Republic is about to fall. Now, does that mean there will be no government following that? No, look at the pattern. We've had four four so far. So the Fifth Hooker Republic is coming. The question is, what will it look like? Um, right now, as things appear to be continuing to fall apart, to fall apart um, get and drink some more coffee here It does seem like things are falling apart, but it also seems like it's become kind of linear so far. Like, yeah, things are getting, you know, more unreliable. Okay. The supply chain is getting more iffy. Inflation's definitely going up. But the truly non-linear effects of what's going on haven't really reared their ugly heads yet. And they will. They will. It's kind of like this. Let's say you have a bunch of unreliable power behaviors. and, And these power behaviors start frying electronics. And some of these electronics are used to order parts for your power station. That's a feedback process, and I think that's already starting to happen, which means that the very fact that electricity is becoming unreliable probably increases the probability at this point that it will become more unreliable. It is tilting that direction, okay? But that doesn't tell you what's coming next. Some people would say it's the reset, Dan. It's the reset. They're going to reset everything and they're going to have like these condos in Switzerland and they'll control us with robots and we'll live in a pod and we'll eat grumptus, and we'll be happy. Remember that happiness thing? Yeah. And joy won't just be a stripper. Yeah. So some people think it'll be the reset. Some people think it might be some other type of, you know, ramshackle system. I personally think this next time that the federal government kind of implodes, um, and I would say 1860-61 was the last time we had any kind of implosion that would be like this. I think that once this happens, there's a chance that, you know, our good friend Humpty Dumpty will never be put back together again. And I think the reason why people want to believe in the reset is because of that. Listen, if you're getting a check, if you're getting a pension check, if you're getting Medicare or Medicaid, you have a desire to believe it's going to keep working. So as ugly as the reset is, as much as you might hate Biden, you're a good Republican voter... You still want the system to keep doing its stupid shit. You don't give a fuck that we're stealing Syrian oil. You don't give a fuck that we're blowing people up. You don't give a fuck that we're leaving a layer of depleted uranium all around Afghanistan and the Persian Gulf or whatever. You just want your check to arrive. That is why you need to believe in the reset. You need to believe in the Alex Jones nonsense. Because if you realize that all of that was going to stop, that's actually more fucking scary for you. Not for the rest of us who are already living in that world, but for you in particular. So believing in the reset is a, is actually, for a lot of these freaks, as counterintuitive as as it sounds, believing in the reset is is what keeps them sane. It what keeps them going. Keeps them, you know, positive and optimistic. As counterintuitive and weird as that sounds, it's weird and freaky. Anyways, next topic. So, as I said, there is kind of a theme to this podcast, and the theme has kind of made itself obvious. And this is the last topic. Um, over the last decade, I've been sensitive to a lot of musical propaganda. Uh, this is this is stuff. These are songs that come out. They become very popular. They're kind of just really dumb songs. But they are obviously propaganda. One of the ones I noticed in 2014 um, was the song Happy, Happy, Happy by Pharrell Williams. And, you know, it's a great, great song until you read the lyrics. And the lyrics basically say the same thing over and over again. If you have any information that's going to bring me down, I don't want to hear it. In fact, that is, I just summarized the Pharrell Williams song for you. I don't want bad news. I don't want to be told about risks or problems. I just want you to take a fire fire hose of hooker joy and stripper happiness and point it at me. And why don't you just go away and kill yourself? That is what I got out of the Pharrell Williams song in 2014. Um, and, And I'll tell you, that's what I think it's saying. I think it's a propaganda song. Another song I heard recently... And I'd never heard it before because i just not that into American pop culture the last decade. Is this song, Something Beautiful. And it came out in 2018, I think. Something Beautiful by Greg Holden. And it basically says the same thing, but even you know more specifically, it's like it says shut up. It's not just that I'm not going to listen to you. Shut up. Don't Don't say anything but something beautiful. You know, everybody's gotten used to the hit and run and all the damage that we've done blah 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 if you're going to open your mouth say something beautiful whatever you say it comes back to you blah 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 if it's all for if <laughs> what's it all for if you can't love everyone you're going to open your doors be open to anyone listen firstly you don't have to be open to anyone if someone's a pedophile you don't have to say anything fucking positive about them If someone is a rapist or a killer, you do not have to open your door to them. This isn't even about Christianity or anything else. It's about survival. This song's basically saying, just pretend everything's fine. And if you can't do it, shut the fuck up. It's a lot like the Pharrell Williams song. The next song I'm going to discuss here is a Bon Jovi song that came out just in time for the pandemic. And it's titled, Do What You Gotta Do. And I'm not going to read through every lyric here, but it basically plays out all the propaganda about the pandemic, all the bullshit about the pandemic, and more or less lays out a song that says, stay home and obey, which at this point in time, I'll just tell you what that really means is is just wait and die. Now, why am I talking about these three songs, which I don't think are exceptional. I'm pretty certain if you dissected most of pop culture, especially right now, you would have the same type of empty-headed dreck. The thing I want to point out is the main message is, if you have anything to say but something that reinforces the system, shut the fuck up, okay? If, you, if you're if you a critic, if you're a skeptic, if you want to point out that maybe it's wrong to steal oil from poor people, shut the fuck up. We just want to be happy, Okay, You want to talk to me about the CIA uh, experimenting on orphans in Denmark? Shut the fuck up. You want to talk about the deep state using nukes to frack for gas? Shut the fuck up. You want to talk about the Bikini Atoll tests and how sailors who served in World War II were treated like pieces of shit and exposed to radiation? Shut the fuck up. Just tell me everything's fine. Just tell me everybody has a job and everybody has stripper cocaine. I don't want to know anything else. Tell me my house will be worth two million bucks in a few years and two million bucks will still be worth two million bucks. That's what I want to know, okay? And it's also why that quote from Dr. Freckles is critical. Your, ha- your desire to be happy is understandable. I want to be happy. You want to be happy. But never, ever, ever take that desire and give it to a grifter. These songs are grifter songs. These are the songs that you get told when you get taken advantage of. Oh, you'll be a CTO in Ireland. Oh, I'll make your dog Leon live forever. I mean, you want to believe this shit. That little dog Boomer upstairs, I love that dog. I want to believe he's going to live forever. But I know, rationally, that he's probably going to be dead before me. That's reality. Uh, Your desire to be happy is so very important and human. It's part of us. It's part of who we are. We want to be optimistic. If we weren't optimistic, listen, we might not be here. Because we've had lots of points in the history of humanity where we could all just collectively have given up. So being optimistic is great. Just be fucking careful. And if you're listening to these songs that say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all, you need to be skeptical. You need to remember that there are times when you have to say stuff that nobody wants to hear. It's one of the reasons why I talked about the Grifter stuff, and it's one of the reasons why I mentioned Dane Wiggington again. Because the one thing I'll say about Dane is he doesn't spend a lot of time, you know, filling up your brain with happy nonsense. It doesn't mean he's telling the truth. It just means that if he really wanted to be popular, if he really wanted people to, you know, listen to him, he would lie. Like every other motherfucker. He would tell a bunch of fucking lies. Oh, the computers, the AI, we're post-scarcity. Everybody can get an mRNA vaccine to become thin. You can lose weight with vaccines. I heard a motherfucker on Coast to Coast AM a few months ago talking about how vaccines were wonderful and we'll have vaccines to do all kinds of things. Shut the fuck up. Okay? I don't, you know, you don't have to listen to my negativity, and believe me, I get censored enough that it it, it prevents people from hearing it. But that doesn't mean I want to hear your wretched sideways bullshit. Another thing, too, for those of us who suffer from depression, these songs are really fucking horrible. Because basically every one of these songs is also saying that if you suffer from depression, you are a wretched piece of shit, go back on whatever stupid drug they give you, And we'll just see if you shoot up a school, okay? That's also what these stupid fucking songs are saying. Nothing that is wrong in this world, nothing that is a problem in this world, is made better through ignorance. Nothing. You want to play pretend? Fine. But don't pretend that that that's going to protect you. you. Remember what Ayn Rand once said? What did Ayn Rand once say? Ayn Rand once said... You can ignore reality. You can ignore reality. You can say that reality isn't what it is, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Ayn Rand said that. You can't you can't do it. So when you read the lyrics of stupid fucking songs right like this, understand that Ayn Rand would read this shit and vomit. Okay? You can pretend all you want to. You can be Pharaoh Williams and be a hot balloon that can't be taken down. But what you can't pretend is that that isn't going to have consequences. It is. It's going to. So, anywho. I know a lot of people out there like listening to stuff like this because they think it helps them. It helps them. It doesn't. There is beautiful music in this world. There's beautiful contemporary music in this world. And it's not designed to make you stupid. This... These songs might sound good, but they're designed to make you a fucking idiot. That's all there is to it, buddy. That's what I'm saying... is um almost 2 hours in and huh, the podcast I did you know a few days ago which I call last week I guess it wasn't really completely last week since today's sunday you might be wondering how I put all these notes together so quickly well that's what that's the way my brain works sometimes but I guess this has been a pretty long podcast too i i'm going to work on making these shorter or at least breaking them out more but I am going through waves of motivation right now. It's one it's one of the reasons why the work situation wasn't working. You know, they needed a dependable worker, and I stopped being dependable about four weeks ago. I stopped being predictable. Um it, it wasn't just my right leg that stopped working. That was part of it. But I just kind of just ran out of the juice to give a fuck, you know? I, I've been thinking about the project work I've been doing with Justin this last winter, and it did peter out because we needed to get money. And the good news is we got some money. I was able to pay ahead on rent. So at least for a couple months, we're okay. The bad news is, is that I I just can't, I'm not able to be 100% everything at 52. I just, I wish I had it. I don't. Maybe if I was in perfect shape, I might be able to do more, but it's just not likely that I can do the startup in a full-time job, especially these days, because there isn't a lot of slack. You know, everybody's basically at the edge. The one thing I noticed about this job, is true of everywhere, is is it's a lot of just managing stuff that goes wrong. And it's not abnormal. It's just that it takes energy. It takes a lot of of, of effort. It, It works on you. Um, you don't get a lot of physical exercise doing computer work, and I—I got to stand at home desk. That's not enough. Um, so, anywho, I go through waves when I'm motivated to podcast, and and I have days where I just don't want to say anything. I've had days in the last month where I've thought to myself, "What's the point?" You know, I've beaten myself bloody in that proverbial sense, trying to have a successful presence online. And what I've ended up at is um, there's just a lot of reasons why, and and it's not special to me, that a lot of people out there, their voices are silenced. And it's, it's a lot of people, probably millions of people. The thing you need to understand about those songs I just beat up on is those are the messages that are gonna get promoted. Like if you wanna be successful on YouTube, then you need to grift people. I mean it. You have to be like a con artist. You cannot care about the truth. you got to go on there and tell people they're skinny when they're fat. you got to tell people they're good-looking when they're ugly. you got to say, oh, you look so young when you're wretchedly old. And the, and the fact is you have to just feed people's egos if you want to be successful. I'm not feeding anybody's ego. I'm not even really doing a good job of feeding my own. So I'm not really here to tell you everything's fine. Do I think it's the end of the world? No, I don't. I, I truly don't. And it's not just my Christianity that's saying that. It's just common sense. Um, do I think that we are in a period of history that could get really, really hard for a lot of people? Yeah. And if you think it's hard right now, sadly, we're still in the realm of linear effects, okay? Things are linear. I think things are about to get really non-linear, And that's when a lot of weird feedbacks and cascading effects start to kick in because you voted for it, right? You wanted it. You paid your fucking taxes. You've got this overly complex Rube Goldberg device. You call the government. And believe me, folks, it's not as stable as you think it is. And when it does start falling apart big time, it's not going to be linear. It's not going to be a little bit more background radiation every day. I mean, so far, since 2019, it's gotten worse. But they kind of managed it, at least for Americans. I think they're going to lose their ability to manage it here at home very soon. And it's why you're going to see more news articles, oh, a food processing plant just blew up. China has locked down another city. You're going to have more and more of the Soviet propaganda that covers up the fact that the system is simply falling apart. That's where we're at. Does that make you feel better? Probably not, but it's not the end of the world. If you don't have electricity, I'll let you in a secret. It's not the end of the world. If you don't have internet, it's not the end of the world. I lived the first half of my life until I was in my late 20s without the internet. It wasn't the end of the world, okay? We had libraries. I lived until I was 30 without a mobile phone. If your mobile phone isn't there, guess what? It's not the end of the fucking world. And if people are framing it like that, they are grifters. Okay? You know why I recommend um, the film, the documentary Mirage Men? And why I would potentially recommend this bad vegan if you have a Netflix account? Because it does help you dissect the fact that there are predators out there who really just want to pump you full of shit to steal from you. Okay? So... I don't think it's the end of the world, but these fuckers will frame it like that. They'll say, well, if you don't do A, it's the end of the world. Well, guess what? I'm not going to tell you it's the, the end of the world. I will tell you that the likelihood of going back to something you call normal or I call normal is zero. And as far as history goes, buckle up. Buckle up, because history has become unstuck. The too-big-to-fail world is over. We're going to start to realize again that it's more likely too big to succeed. That's the lesson we're about to learn. And it's going to be hard. And, you know, my little estimate from 2015, I figured the population of the United States would be about between 20 and 50 million people by the middle of the century, best case scenario, best case. You've got about 20 or 30 million people in the whole United States. That means that 90%, roughly, 90% of the American population is is just not there. It doesn't mean they all get killed. It just means that that's not the population in 2050. Um, I think it's way more likely it's about 30 million Americans. And how do you get there? Well, there's a lot of horrible things that happen before you get there. That is what I think is going to happen. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but I see no evidence that I'm wrong. And at this point, most of the evidence is pointing towards a general kind of plague of madness that is manifesting as the ultimate form of denialism. And songs like this, which do get preferred, that do get promoted, that that are the ones, the voices that get heard, these songs are basically not helping you. You can't prepare for that kind of trauma by listening to this bullshit. So for the Planetary Stas Report on Sunday, September the 18th, 2022, Blimpdock. I wish I could say that things are going to get better. The only thing that might get better is your attitude about it. I, I, I wish I could tell you that it won't be crazy and scary, but it's probably going to get way fucking crazier and way scarier. And as far as voting goes, I wish I could tell you that voting for contracts for America and for other types of dreck is going to help you. But the fact is, it's not connected to anything, A. And B, even if it was, it's going to make no fucking difference. Okay? You can have all the votes you want to. None of them will control the tides. You can have all the votes you want to, none of those votes will control the weather. You can have all the votes you want to and none of them affect the laws of thermodynamics or why complexity is bad. All the voting in the world doesn't change that. What is going to happen next is inevitable. About the only things that could change it would be two things. One, there is no God and the aliens show up. Or two, God helps us. But I see no evidence from prophecy that We are owed any special help from God. And as far as aliens go, I don't believe in aliens. So, yeah. What's going to happen is going to happen. And with that, it's still not the end of the world. Anywho, like I said, September the 18th, 2022 Bob Limp Talk... It's right around 5.30 a.m., which means I've been yapping for two hours, grumbo freaks. I hope you have a a great rest of your Sunday. I hope you have, you know, obviously a great rest of your weekend. And I hope that you can understand that even in the worst of times, you can still be happy. But you do have to, like, you know, alter your perspective. And bottom line, you got to stop listening to the fucking grifters.